Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Ditch Decade Diets Podcast. I am your host, Lorna Perozo, certified food freedom coach and founder of the Ditch Decade Diets Academy. I've spent 10 years in an unhealthy relationship with food, binge eating, over-exercising, and feeling insecure in my body. This podcast is all about helping you get to the root of your food struggles and teaching you how to rewire your brain so you can end binge eating. If you're ready to improve your relationship with food and cultivate more self-love towards yourself and your health, this is the podcast for you. So let's get to it and jump right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ditch Shake Diets podcast. I am so excited for today's podcast episode. We have a guest speaker. Her name is Abby Stacier, and hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I am so bad with last names, and I tend to butcher it a lot, but when she comes onto the podcast, I will make sure that I say it correctly, Um, but we actually met way back in 2018 when we were part of a business coaching program together. So way back many, many years ago, we did a business coaching program together and that's how we met. And it's just so cool to reconnect and to just see, you know, how far she's come in her own journey and, you know, with her business. And then even for myself, it's just so incredible to see like how far we both come and, you know, the fact that we're just getting together today is just so much fun. And it's really amazing having like-minded people who are so committed to changing the world, helping people, making an impact. I, I just love staying connected to people that really want to make a difference in this world. So Abby is a non-diet registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and she's a master's graduate from Columbia University. In 2018, she founded Be About Being Better, a non-diet coaching company specializing in helping individuals develop a sustainable and diet-free healthy lifestyle through an intuitive eating and healthy at every size approach. With a passion for research, Abby is a published researcher and has been featured in notable media outlets such as Medium, Thrive Global, and Brains Magazine. She's also been a sought-after guest on various podcasts, sharing her expertise and insights. With Abby's guidance and expertise, you can embark on a journey of self-discovery, nourishment, and empowerment, freeing yourself from diet culture, and embracing a more joyful and sustainable lifestyle. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome her to the podcast. All right, Abby, welcome to the podcast. It is so amazing seeing you and I'm so excited to have a chat with you. Lorna, thank you so much for having me on the show. I am pumped for this. Yeah, I was just recording the intro and I'm like, it's so crazy that it's been like, what, like five years since we've seen each other. Like we've still kind of like stayed somewhat in contact, but it's just so amazing to see like all the things that you've been able to do since, you know, we, we seen each other last and like our businesses growing and it's just really amazing to see. So I'm excited to connect and kind of have a chat, um, with, you know, what you've kind of been up to and how you've been able to really master helping your clients with living a, you know, busy lifestyle, maintaining their health in a non diet approach. Like this is, this is amazing. So I'm so excited to chat. 
Yay. Thank you so much. I'm excited too, because as you know, my life has been very, very busy. So I've needed to, like everything I coach my clients on, I've needed to employ and coach myself on. And I actually use these tips in my everyday life and they've been really helpful. So I hope that they inspire you and and your audience. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into your story because I don't really know much actually about like your background. So walk, walk us through like your background, what made you want to, you know, start helping people live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle and a non-diet approach? Like what was your background? What did you kind of go through growing up? I think that would be really um, inspiring to start off with. Absolutely. I come from a very medical family. Everyone in my family is a physician or surgeon. So I grew up always thinking that I was going to go to medical school and join my dad's private practice, Stacier and Stacier Eye Care Specialists. And, you know, I thought I was going to grow up and be an eye surgeon. So um, I quickly realized that that was not the right path for me. And I worked a little bit in the medical field and I just got to see the reality as of it, you know, we're catching people way too late and I didn't want to just manage chronic diseases. I wanted to help prevent them. So that's when I knew, mm, okay, instead of the medical field, I really wanted to be in the health and wellness space. So instead of going to medical school, I ended up investing the entirety of my savings into launching my online business five years ago. And that's how you and I met because we started our businesses around the same time. And that was a huge shift in my family. I mean, I think they were shocked by that. And I had family members not speak to me for weeks. It really, really was a shock. But for me, it was just so aligning because I knew I wanted to, to help people in that way. After working a year in my business, that's when I decided to go back to school because I was seeing so many influencers out there that were just giving a lot of faulty health information. And I was like, I really want to stand out in this space because I have the credentials and I want to know more of the nutrition information. So that's when I went to graduate school. I got my master's in nutrition and exercise physiology from Columbia university. And, um, at first I was just going to get my master's, but then my director there was like, Oh, you know, it's just a few extra classes and a little internship and you could be a registered dietitian and you could take on more complicated cases and provide medical nutrition therapy and take insurance and just be more legitimate in the field. So I'm like, okay, great. And it actually isn't a little internship. It's a whole year, like match process. It's essentially a medical school residency. So here I am trying to avoid medical school. Essentially it went to, but uh, it was a very intense program. That's what brought me to Nashville. Cause I matched with Vanderbilt's hospital. So I just passed my registered dietitian exam and we're doing all of that. And all the while, while being in this clinical residency, studying for the exam, being in my three years, uh, my three-year master's program, that was this dual degree. I was still keeping up with my business full-time team members, hundreds of clients across five different continents. Like it was it was a lot. And it that takes a toll on, on your health. You have to continuously show up. And so I'm excited to dive into those busy tips uh, or tips for busy people. And because I'm definitely one of those people and it's very easy to fall into get fit quick solutions, fall into diets, fall into restrictions. When, when you're stressed, when you're going through something, when it's finals week, when it's the holidays, it's, it's just so easy to slip back and in, into those ways. And when there's a lot that you can't control in your life to try and control your exercise and nutrition. I grew up as a ballet dancer. So I, 
grew up with a very distorted body image and just being in the performance space, it's, it's very difficult. And I had a very disordered relationship with exercise when I got to college and wasn't dancing anymore. I actually was sent to the hospital my freshman year because I was over exercising and had a, a lot of chest pain. And, um, yeah. And then after that, I ended up getting in a pretty serious relationship and he was always commenting on my body. So again, it was, um, you know, just reinforcing a lot of my own negative body image that my ballet career had been reinforcing. So that, you know, hurt my body image. And I was like, well, you know, I'm struggling with exercise and getting a healthy routine there. I'm struggling with my body image. Let me, you know, let me try and control nutrition. And that coupled with my stressful relationship gave me a whole bunch of gut health issues and trying to heal my gut in a bunch of different ways, gave me a lot of disordered eating that I've had to heal from. So over the course of my five years in business, yes, I help people sustainably keep up with a, a healthy lifestyle. And I want to make sure that we're doing that in a non-diet way. Because when I first started my business, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to keep up with a healthy lifestyle, but with some tips. I mean, we, I definitely was helping people weave that in, but in the beginning of my business, it wasn't always sustainable. And I've come to realize through coaching so many people over the last five years and my own relationship, healing my relationship with food and exercise in my body, that we have to cultivate a non-diet approach. We have to embrace intuitive eating. We can't be striving for intentional weight loss anymore and heal from a lot of that in order to sustain a healthy lifestyle. So a lot, I've been through a lot in my journey and I've seen a lot coaching my clients and, uh, it's been a journey, but I really love where I'm at right now. And I love being in the non-diet space. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I had no idea that you grew up as a dancer as well too. Like that yes. was my story. Um, and man, like you've, you've been through so much, but to see that you're like, so resilient and you were, you know, pushing through and you were really fighting for answers. Like I remember even us talking about like bloating issues and things like that. And it's so unfortunate that like, you know, people who have a poor relationship with food because of the restricting and, you know, the over-exercising, it turns into like these other issues, but, um, you've always been like an advocate for yourself and for your clients. And it's like, it's, it's evidence, you know, like that you're, you're just like fighting for those answers. I'm not going to just put a bandaid on. Like Mm -hmm. I, I truly want to get to the root cause of things. Yes, absolutely. And fighting for the evidence-based answers as well, especially being in the online space, like that's hard to come by. Um, So we definitely stand out trying to loop in that, that evidence-based knowledge. Yeah. And you're really good at that. Like, (laughs) it's like, if you need evidence-based information, like you are the go-to person. I love it. Um, So walk us through, like it's September and the holidays are going to be here before we know it. I feel like I just blinked and we're like almost on September. Um, So with the holidays coming up, I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, seeing family for the first time or for, you know, seeing family that you haven't seen in a really long time, or, Ooh, there's going to be delicious, like yummy treats. And I think some people have this mindset of I need to lose weight before seeing my aunt who always comments on my body, or I got to lose weight so that I can, you know, eat the yummy, delicious treats during, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and all these things. So what are your best tips to enter into the holidays in a non 
diet approach. Yeah, absolutely. Any form of restriction is going to lead to that overeating, potentially leading to binges, which I know you talk about so much and you have healed from so much. So when we're thinking to ourselves, I need to work out extra or lose weight so that I can allow myself, that is a disordered relationship with food and either the physical restrictions of food where we're not allowing ourselves to have certain things or the mental restrictions where we are allowing ourselves to have it, but we're shaming ourselves in our head. These are definitely um, things to not beat ourselves up about, but to just bring awareness to and know that there is an opportunity for healing there. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we can't control what other people think about us what, what they say to us with difficult family members, we could have a whole episode just on difficult family members and and what to say to them. And, and ultimately it's none of their business, how you're eating. It's none of their business, how you look now they might make it their business, but that doesn't mean that, that it's right. And one analogy that that I like to give my clients is that when you go home for the holidays, you almost got to put on a raincoat so that stuff isn't internalizing. You need to let it just rinse off and not and not stick because what people say to you about your body, how you're eating, how you're exercising or how you're not exercising has more to do with them and their biases, their own opinions, their own disordered relationship, maybe their own trauma or triggers has more to do with them than it does about you. Truly, it has nothing to do with you. So you just got to put on that raincoat and let it wash off because if you internalize all of that, it will send you down a spiral. It will have you restrict. It will have you over-exercise and really make the holidays not the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, truly. It will be very, very difficult for you to actually enjoy the experience. So what I recommend instead is, you know, when you're going to the beach, everyone says, oh, like I got to get, you know, beach body ready. It's like, everybody is a beach body, you know? So, you know, show up to the holidays and eat slow savor your meals, enjoy those treats. And I would say, go for the treats that you don't get year round. Like you can get, you know, chocolate lava cake anytime, anywhere, but if it's like your grandma's pie or, you know, a special family recipe, stuff that you don't get that often, like enjoy that, savor that. And if you slow down and really savor that experience while you're eating, you won't feel a need to well, remember, it'll be easier for you to be in touch with your hunger and fullness cues to know when to stop and when you're comfortably full and when you've had enough and you'll actually savor that experience and enjoy it. So you won't feel this need to keep going back to it. A lot of my clients will keep overeating because they don't even remember really what they ate or they're kind of feeling like they still need to get that experience back because they didn't fully enjoy it. So being present in the moment when you're eating will be helpful for you to eat enough and stay comfortably full and help you prevent overeating and, you know, setting boundaries with family members, I think is, is really, really helpful. Redirecting the conversation, having a couple lines to say to them. And, you know, there are some family members that they'll just say stuff and you just got to let it go in one ear and out the other, but there might be some family members that you're closer to that you see more often that your relationship means more those are the people that you might want to have a conversation with either when you get home for the holidays, when they visit you, maybe even beforehand. Hey, I just don't even want to talk about 
my body. I don't even want to bring up how I'm eating. Just let me live. This is a boundary for me. This is what I'm, you know, I'm doing or not doing. So you might want to breach a conversation before or when you get there to set a boundary. But then there are some people where honestly, it's not even worth it to set a boundary and just on your own. No, it has nothing to do with you all about them. Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned that because, you know, it's like as much as we can tell ourselves, like, you know, it's it's not about us. Like sometimes it's it's just so challenging to not make it mean about us or anything about us but like we have to understand like you said some family members that's just the way that they are like they comment on everything they comment on what everyone else is eating like you know there's just some people like that um but I think setting boundaries redirecting the conversation changing the subject is always like a really good thing um now when you have clients that are you know wanting to stay healthy during the holidays what is your approach? Like, you know, I think a lot of people, it's like, you know, let's, let's give ourselves grace and compassion during this time of the holidays. Right. And then there's some other people that are like, you know, let's, let's keep up with your, your healthy habits, like have those non-negotiables. Right. And I'm a little bit a mix of both. Like, I think it's important to have Mm -hmm. non-negotiables. You can still feel your best, but also your schedule obviously is going to look different during the holidays. So what is your approach in terms of staying healthy, feeling your best during this busy holiday time of the year? Yeah, I agree with you that it's a both and you have to give yourself grace and be flexible. However, you're in a busy season. You're in a very stressful season. This the holidays can bring up a lot of grief, a lot of emotions. You need your healthy habits to help ground you and honestly keep you sane. So we can't just let all healthy habits go out the window because that's not going to feel aligning either. But if you're so strict and so regimented with yourself and putting too much pressure, expectations are too high to check every single box and there's no flexibility, that will cause some mental strain as well. You're not going to be able to keep up with that. And then that will invite a lot of guilt and shame and just contribute negatively to your holiday experience. So I think it's a both. And so first thing I would recommend is that it's always, it well, it's impossible to do everything, but it is possible to always do something for your health. So you have to figure out for you. I mean, I can give y'all so many tips on every healthy habit out there, but you have to find what is maybe the one or two healthy habits that are the non-negotiables for you? What is the most important? What is that something when if you were in that all or nothing mentality, you would previously do nothing. The way that I explain this, my clients is kind of like we're when we're driving, like if you're setting the expectations for doing all the things with your health, firing at all cylinders, just doing all the things, it's like you're flooring through a green light going at full force. And then when you can't keep up with that, then we're at a complete stop. You're at a red light. You're doing nothing for your health. So we need to find some in between and instead treat the holidays like you're driving through a school zone where you're moving slowly, but you're still actually getting to your destination. You're still maintaining your health and keeping things going. So that might look like for you, keeping up with your water intake. Because we know if we're dehydrated, we're going to be cranky. We're going to have more cravings. We're going to be bloated. Bowel movements are not going to be, not going to be good. Uh, Skin is not going to be as good. And our skin tends to be drier in the winter anyway. So we need to stay hydrated. So hydration is definitely, maybe that's something that you focus on. Maybe it's looping in more vegetables 
And maybe you need to rely on frozen vegetables that you can put in the microwave. So that they're really easy ordering a side salad, prepping your vegetables. Like, you know, when I, whenever I go home, I always bring baby carrots with me and then I'll put them in little baggies so that they're rationed out in serving sizes. So that if I'm just sitting watching TV, like I'll have some chips, I'll have a cookie or whatever, but I'll also have some baby care. So I can, I don't know why it's so hard for me to get fiber in at home, but it always is, but I've planned around that. And that's something I don't care what people think. It's nobody else sitting in the living room is eating baby carrots, but, but I am anyway, cause that's, that's important to me. Yeah. So, um, you have to find like what is best for you. And I think that's going to change each holiday season, each day. So it's important to check in with yourself and see, okay, what's my body calling for today? Diet culture tells us that we need to rely on external cues to tell us when to exercise, how much and what and when to eat, and basically how, how to do anything. When really, when we have a healed relationship with food, exercise and our body, we rely on our internal cues to tell us what we need. And then we honor that. So you need to first listen to and acknowledge what your internal cues are, what your body's telling you, and then respond out of care, love, and respect for yourself. So that's going to look different throughout the holiday season. It's going to look different for every person. And each day, like you could be home for 10 days and maybe there's one day where you prioritize your water intake, another where you prioritize getting more vegetables in, and then another where you get movement in. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this is that there's a difference between movement and exercise. And I always recommend to my clients, especially during the holiday season to not use the word exercise, because sometimes that can put too much pressure on ourselves to have, to get formal movement in. And sometimes that's just not realistic, but when we say movement, it opens our mind up to the multiple possibilities and opportunities there are to move our body. So you might not be able to get a formal workout in, but could you go for a walk after dinner with your family? Could you do a little workout in your room before you go downstairs? Could you do five minutes of something? Could you go to a class? Like, you know, there, there's so many different ways to, to move your body and that can make the commitment a little bit, a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. I also, yeah, like, I'll stop there. <laughs> so many, there's so many tips. There's I can so give. Many good tips. I love it. But yeah. There's so many good things that you said. I even want to just highlight you talking about eating carrots, like giving yourself permission to have the chips or the the cookie. But I feel like having some carrots and this is not disordered eating. It's like my body knows that maybe I didn't have enough fiber this week. That's not disordered. That's food that this is, I'm pulling on wisdom. Mm -hmm. I'm pulling on gentle nutrition to be like, it's, it's a smart idea. I don't have to just eat carrots and broccoli and celery, but it's like, no, I got to have, you know, my other foods, but like, it's a good idea to add this. And I, I just love that. You're like, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Like I'm going to have this. And like, it's totally fine. Like permission. Exactly. You have to give yourself permission. And that's a huge misconception about intuitive eating. People just think it's a free for all and just permission to eat calorie dense foods all the time. And it's, that's not the case. Yes. We make peace with food. Yes. All foods can fit. However, we're employing multiple intuitive eating principles at the same time. So 
And ultimately, like you said, we're turning inward and we're focusing ourselves. What, what are we craving? And when you truly are intuitively eating, you're in tune with your body's cues. We are going to start to crave different things. You might want something that's cold and crunchy or something that's salty or something that's creamy. Like you're going to crave certain things and you have to be in tune with that. Our bodies are so smart. We can trust the cues from our body. Although diet culture tells us that we can't trust our bodies and any cues from our bodies need to be suppressed and we can't, you know, but ultimately we can trust our bodies. And if you're really listening, when you make peace with food, your body will crave nutrient dense things as well. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. I even love to hear kind of your story behind this, but like for me, like we have similar stories in terms of like the bloating and, and like gut health and digestive issues. And for me, it's like when I started actually eating intuitively and like taking really good care of my body, like nourishing it, you know, allowing all foods, but like really taking time to like, Ooh, what am I craving today? And like honoring that, like I got healthier as a result of eating intuitively. And I think people really need to hear this because it's like, oh, if I eat intuitively, I'm just going to, you know, spiral out of control. I'm going to eat like, I'm going to eat junk from the time that I wake up until the time that I go to bed. And it's like, that's really not the reality when you're being in tune with your body. And I'd like to hear your um, experience or your kind of story of like what happened or how did you feel when you started eating intuitively? Mm, Well, a lot of my disordered eating came from my gut health issues. I had to be, I had IBS and SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And with all the different treatments that all these different doctors and specialists put me on, I had to be so restrictive for so long. Then I finally fired all my, all my doctors and I hired this other health coach. And it was really funny because I started working with him. And I was like, okay, what do I eat? Like every other doctor has given me a meal plan. They told me what I can and can't eat for my gut. What can I can't, what can I eat? And what can I eat with you? He's like, I'm not giving you any nutrition support right now. I was like, sir, I just paid you thousands of dollars. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? And he's like, no, we're going to focus on stress management. We're, I'm, you're going to meditate. We're going to, for the first three weeks of us working together, you're going to meditate every day. You're going to start changing your lifestyle. You're going to start doing stuff that brings you joy. And we're going to start to change your lifestyle. And I was like, what? And when I started to work some of these foods back in, it brought up a lot of anxiety. And I realized I was like, oh, wow, I am afraid to eat spinach. And every time I ate spinach, it would give me a stomach ache. And it's not because, I mean, spinach is gluten-free, dairy-free. It's all the things free. It's, It's a very nutrient dense food. It's fine. But it was causing me so many symptoms, not because I had an intolerance to it, but because I had so much anxiety around, around the food and eating it. And when we're eating in a stressed, rushed fight or flight type state, we don't secrete as much digestive, uh, as many digestive enzymes, enough stomach acid to like fully digest that. And that can cause a lot of stomach issues. So that was honestly like the, the room, my, my problem. Um, so anyway, I had a lot of disordered eating, um, when, it comes to my, my gut health issues and working with this coach that helped me. And he wasn't like an intuitive eating counselor, but I started to dive more into intuitive eating after I worked with him because he was basically teaching me the fundamentals. We need to worry less about what we're eating and relying on these external meal plans and start to turn inward. What do you feel like? What is your body 
craving? What does your body want? And I had honestly never been asked that before. And it makes me like somewhat emotional to to start talking about this, but I was like, wow, like you actually can enjoy the experience of eating. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so freeing to recognize that I didn't have intolerances to all of these different foods, but I just had so much stress and so much, so much anxiety around the food. I wasn't digesting it. Well, I had so much stress in my life with grad school and trying to keep up the business and, you know, in a really toxic relationship, I had so much going on that it, my body was feeling under attack and I wasn't digesting my food as well, but it wasn't the food. And I think we always try and go there and try and control the food and we don't do anything else with our life. And when we are so focused on the nitty gritty stuff with our food, we miss out on so much joy in our lives. Looking back on that time, I was so isolated. I had like no friends. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't going out to dinner. I just moved to New York city. New York city is such a fun city. I wasn't doing anything. I was locked in my cockroach infested apartment, which was causing me more stress. Cause there was cockroaches oh literally falling from the ceiling. Oh my God, Lorna, it was horrible. Uh, I can't even like thinking about that time. It was so stressful, so hard. It's very hard to heal your gut when you live in New York city, but it is possible. I'm a testimony. It, it can be done, but yeah, I had to like make all foods fit and start to get comfortable with making all foods available to myself. And I had to start shifting how I was eating. I, I was eating way too fast. So I needed to slow my life down. And first, I'll be honest, I started with the more nutrient dense foods that I had been restricting, like spinach, for example. So I had to like slow down and get used to eating spinach because I didn't feel like I could have anything with dairy in it. I feel like I couldn't have anything with, um, you know, gluten or a ton of sugar. So I had to work those. Now I eat, oh my gosh, I eat anything I want. Nothing hurts my stomach. It's crazy. I was able to work all the, okay. The only food I wasn't able to work back in after being low FODMAP and all like is asparagus, but I feel like asparagus really impacts a lot of people. And I've yeah. never really liked asparagus to begin with. So I'm like, I'm okay. I mean, I can eat it. It's fine. It just doesn't quite agree with me. So that's where, yeah. you know, intuitive eating, like it doesn't agree with me. So I can there eat it. Go. I will allow myself to, if it's the only thing available, I'll eat it. But yeah. So that's how I started to get into intuitive eating. And that health coach was really helpful for me. And just helping me to to spark joy. And I love that about intuitive eating. It's so much more than the food. Intuitive eating is a whole self-care framework. I mean, it does have that movement component. It just helps you like have, invite more joy into your life and help you realize there's so much more to life than food. (laughs) It's like creating an experience around eating, you know, like, you know, this, we live in a world where it's go, go, go on to the next thing. Go, go. I got 10 minutes before my next meeting out of, you know, shove something down my throat. And then it's like, oh, that made me full check mark, but I'm still not satisfied. So I still got to keep on eating. And then this is, you know, this is also what creates a lot of, you know, gut health issues, digestive issues, not only an unhealthy relationship with food, but like eating super fast, not properly digesting your food and then fearing certain foods. Like I was even listening to another podcast and it was like, just the thought of like being scared to eat a certain food can create like, you know, issues within your stomach because you're just so stressed about eating that food. Like it's crazy. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I was going through. Like I lived that. It was really difficult and it just messes with your mind because it's like, am I stressed or is it actually like a food intolerance? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to ask you, you say 
you can heal your relationship with food and your body through scripture. What does this mean? Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is my favorite thing to talk about. I uh, grew up Catholic, confirmed Catholic, um, but I recently have in the last couple of years, not just I've come to like know God and like know about Jesus, but I feel like now I have a relationship with Jesus. I have a relationship with God. And um, my faith journey has really impacted my health. Cause I feel like I was trying everything in my life with my business, with school, with my health, striving, do, doing everything in my own strength, where now like I live a little bit more open-handed where I, I, honestly, we can't do anything in, in our own strength. And I, I have support with that because, you know, I believe in, in a higher power. And so coming closer to my faith, I was at a personal development conference recently for, for Christian entrepreneurs in Nashville. And God downloaded to me that my calling is to help him to deliver people from eating disorders and disordered eating and to help speak biblical truth into the health industry. Mm. He was very clear. He did not stutter. I'm like, God, what does that mean? What does that look like? Like what? Uh, so that was, that was pretty crazy. Um, but ever since then, God has been showing me different Bible verses that have helped me on bad body image days or um, have helped me see that diet culture and food restrictions being harsh to the body isn't what God intended for us. And the Bible goes through how to approach every area of our lives. Of course, he's also going to give us some direction for how do we treat our bodies? What did he intend for our relationship with food? And so it's been really cool to start to, to dive into that. And I've also come to recognize that part of my role as a non-diet dietitian, who's also a Christian, is to help people clear up some of this mental headspace. We're so consumed with thoughts of food and negative body image and how to exercise and macros and just all that, grams of sugar and um, aspartame. Oh my gosh, a huge scandal right now in the dietitian community. <laughs> I can't, well, that's a separate podcast. Anyway, so I have to clear up some of this mental headspace that diet culture and food thoughts are taking up. Because if we can clear up some of that, think about how much freed up mental real estate you're going to have to devote to your finances and your relationships and your career and your faith, what your calling is in your life. And one thing that God said to me recently was, if you can help clear some of that up for people, people can hear me. People can hear the calling that I have on their on their lives. And if you can help optimize people's health, they're going to have the energy and the vibrancy and the confidence to be able to step boldly into what their mission and calling is. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really powerful to, to play a role in, wow. in some of that. That is so beautiful. And it's so true. It's like this diet culture, food noise, it, it prevents you from like tapping into your intuition or connecting to a mm. higher power. It, like it prevents you from stepping into the the real like authentic version of yourself and I truly don't believe that you would have had that calling or like that that voice so strong so loudly if you were still yeah. having so many thoughts around food and your body exactly God was like I healed you you've <laughs> seen this done now you yeah. need to go help heal other people. And all right, so let me just read if you don't mind let me read this from Colossians chapter 2 because when I saw this I was like 
Oh my goodness. Breaking away from diet culture is literally biblical and, and it's not that, not that long. Okay. So Colossians for people that are in the word Colossians chapter two, verse 20 to 23. Okay. So it says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, meaning that, you know, if you are a follower of Christ, you know, you die to yourself and you become alive, born again with Christ. Why, as though you still belong to the, to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch all these food rules. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings, meaning they're not from God. These are just made up by the world. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, which is true. I mean, I think some things that people are like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, if I eat fat, I'm going to get fat where it's like, we know logically that's not right. But to somebody that doesn't have a lot of nutrition background and they see that from some random TikToker, they're going to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, diet culture things in these food rules have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body. Mm. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So they're talking about overeating and binging and that, or you know, gluttony. And I was like, that is exactly the restrict binge guilt cycle. When we have these food rules, when we restrict, the, that means we're treating the body harshly. And we think that we're controlling our food intake when really it's, it's not allowing us to like prevent us from overeating. And it's actually leading to what the Bible says, sensual indulgence or the binging, the overeating. And then we feel a lot of guilt and shame. And then we do the food rules all over again. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness. That was just so clear to me that that was the restrict binge guilt cycle, or it could be related. And yeah. that's not, that's not what is intended for us. And um, it goes on to say that in chapter three, instead, we should set our minds on things above, not on earthly things, not on these earthly rules. And as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Mm -hmm. So don't be rushing to get results. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself grace. Be gentle with your body. Be kind, be compassionate towards yourself. Show yourself warmth and understanding. And that is what God has intended for us. That's how he wants us to treat our temple. People say all the time, oh, my body's a temple. And they use that as an excuse or permission to tr to over-exercise and under-eat and treat their bodies harshly and do all these quote-unquote healthy things. Mm -hmm. But it's actually harsh treatment of the body. And that's not what God intended. So true. So, like that right there. It's like, I got to treat my body so well. So I got to spend hours in the gym. I got to only eat chicken and egg whites and broccoli. And it's like, actually no like that's not what it's meant to you know what I mean like that's not it and right. I like you mentioned about the rules like who made up these rules like you know what I, you know what I mean it's yeah. like we say it's a rule but like said who like who, yes. who like you know what I mean who's this rule for like if it's not working for you if you're still binging and overeating and so stressed like even if you're not binging but you are so stressed to eat a certain food it's not meant for you, you know? Right. hundred percent, hundred percent. And the Bible even talks about feasting and that feasting is celebrated. We know that eating is emotional. Now there's, you know, we want to be 
coping with our emotions with kindness and not coping with emotions in a negative way through food. Uh, however, emotional eating is okay. That's part of our culture. Eating is emotional and celebration through food is also normal and accepted in our culture. And that's also in the Bible. So when you're approaching the holidays, this season, come at it. Um, like it's okay. It's okay to feast. It's okay to enjoy your holiday meal and really savor that. Yeah. It's again, it's that permission piece. Like I think Mm -hmm. everyone listening just needs to like, take a deep breath, relax your shoulders and like be reminded that you are allowed to enjoy your food. In fact, we want you to extract even more pleasure, even more satisfaction from your meals. Like make that your goal this holiday, you know, and watch how everything starts to shift for you. Mm, So good. So good. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, Okay. One of the other things I want to ask you, because during the time of the month, I feel like every single person or like many, many people get like intense cravings, right? And like, there's some extent of like, that's not necessarily normal if like the cravings are like, so beyond crazy, but like during the time of the month, like hormones are changing and like, you know, people do crave things like chocolate and sweets and things like that. So how can somebody optimize their menstrual cycle um, during like the phases of their life so that they can still honor their cravings, but maybe not have these like intense, you know, cravings during that, that time of the month or even like the week, the week leading up to, to the, to the cycle. Awesome. Yes. This is huge topic. I'm constantly talking about this on my podcast with clients because there's, There's a lot to it. And so if some listeners aren't yet aware, you're not just on your period or off your period. You have four different phases of the menstrual cycle and your hormones. There's many hormones that are involved in your menstrual cycle. There's a lot, there's a lot going on each week. We're going through something different with our hormones. And so I definitely, um, would recommend that y'all start to do some research so we can maybe link up some podcast episodes that we've done or something like that, um, where you can learn more about the phases. Um, the phase that is right before your period that's you know considered PMS phase is luteal phase. And in this phase, we actually need about 200 to 250 more calories at this time. We are just hungry because our bodies internally are doing so much. The phase right before this is ovulation. That's our fertile window. So at this time you either have a, you know, an egg that was fertilized and your body's prepping for a baby, or it's prepping up and building up the uterine lining during luteal phase to then be shed during your period, your menstrual phase, when you are actually bleeding. And that's what you're bleeding. You're bleeding that uterine lining. So during luteal phase, your body's doing a lot either way, whether you're pregnant or not. So we, your body is needing more fuel. Fuel means calories, means energy. So we need to eat. We're hungrier during this time. So I don't think cravings are something to fear. Cravings are a signal that our body is looking for something. And if we're practicing intuitive eating, what we crave can tell us a lot about what our body is asking for. So for example, if you crave chocolate, typically that is indicative of a magnesium deficiency. So if you're craving a lot of chocolate, there's actually a good amount of magnesium in chocolate. So have some chocolate. Maybe you have maybe some higher quality chocolate uh, or you kind of get, you know, as much magnesium as possible. But 
there's also a lot of magnesium rich foods that you could start to start to loop in. If you crave meat, steak, pork, any of these things, you might be um, experiencing an iron deficiency because either your body's prepping to lose blood or whatever it is. Um, so have some meat, have some, uh, get some iron in there. And there's also iron in, you know, different vegetables and so many other different foods, oatmeal. So you don't just have to have meat to satisfy that, that craving. Now, a lot of people tend to crave carbs and sugary things, salty things during luteal phase. And I think that's where people feel a lot of guilt and shame around their cravings. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm only craving these kind of calorie dense things. And that that's really frustrating to me. So there's a couple of reasons why we might be craving these carbs and sugary things during this time. Um, it might be because of a B vitamin deficiency, and it also might be due to blood sugar mismanagement. So your blood sugar's off. So Carbs are our body's primary and preferred energy source. And out of all the macros, like our body knows that carbs, sugar gives us the most energy, the most quickly. So your body is going to crave that when it is low energy, when it doesn't have enough fuel to give you, give you a little boost the most quickly and get things up and running again. So that's, that's why we crave that versus, you know, protein or fats, like, you know, our, our body knows, Hey, this is going to get me the, the most energy, the most quickly. So we need to, if we want to keep our cravings at bay, cause that's, what's frustrating about sugar cravings is we'll eat something sugary to satisfy the craving, but then we crash right away. And then we just go back to craving things. And we're just going through these highs and lows with our blood sugar. And that's very, very frustrating. So to help prevent some of that, to keep our blood sugar more stable, we need to have mixed balanced meals. So the carbs and I feel like I always crave French fries during my period and like a Wendy's frosty. And then sometimes I'll get the fries and the frosty and dip the fries in the frosty. Um, so, <laughs> okay. I, I, so good. But I know if I'm craving that, it's like, mm, I either have been skipping meals, not eating consistently, yeah. not eating enough because we need more calories during this time. Cause our body's just going through more internally. Um, or I'm not having balanced meals. So when I'm craving that, that's it. So I, I don't feel a lot of guilt and shame around that. It's a signal that, okay, this is an opportunity for me to shift my eating habits, have my blood sugar be more stable. So this is where you want to have the carbs and carbs and a source of protein carbs and a source of fat to keep your blood sugar more stable. That will give you more sustained energy, fat and protein. Those are more complex macronutrients. It takes a while for them to digest. It slows down the digestion process. It will keep your blood sugar stable for longer, give you longer lasting energy. So that's what I would recommend. If you're feeling a lot of really intense sugar cravings, you want to make sure that you're not skipping meals. You want to make sure that when you are eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, and one to two snacks, that they're balanced meals. It's not just one food group, but you see on your plate, carbs, protein, fat, that things are are mixed and balanced and, um, and just that, that you're eating enough and that you're really nourishing yourself adequately and not under eating or else you're still going to have, have those cravings. I, I so love that you mentioned that. Cause I think people go into the week before the time of the month, knowing that they have extra sugary cravings. They're like, I have to eat less. Like I have to skip my meals. And it's like, no, like you might be having those extra sugary cravings because you're not eating enough because you are, you know, depriving yourself. Right. So it's like, 
you know, allowing again permission. I feel like that's like the whole point. Like this, this podcast, <laughs> yeah. like permission to allow yourself to have those foods, but so you don't feel, you know, like ravenously starving and you know eating ten cookies in one sitting. Pair it with something else. Like I love when I have like a cookie or something. Like I love having like you know something else on the side because it also makes me fuller. Like I can't just have cookies and be like I'm I'm full. It's like that's not gonna satiate mm. me. It's not gonna keep me full. I'm gonna be hungry again in like 15 minutes. You know, right? I think exactly. A lot of people, yeah, I think a lot of people are, are afraid of that. Of like having more, but it's not that you're necessarily having more. It's like that could be preventing you know urges you know, later on that day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So the last thing I actually wanted to go back, um, I know we're kind of like jumping all around here, but that's just the way kind of I roll. I'm like, I like to be spontaneous here. Um, going back. So you have gone through your own gut, gut health issues and, you know, all of that jazz and people who have a poor relationship with food, even struggling with binge eating, they tend to unfortunately also struggle with like IBS or like other Mm -hmm. um, health conditions, right? So how does this look for your clients? Like how do you go about supporting them in a non-diet way where they cannot be restrictive, but still also support their health conditions that they, they do need to be mindful of? Yeah, absolutely. This is a huge thing. Cause I think most people in society do have some sort of comorbidity or another condition or a secondary condition because of their disordered eating. So very, very common. You have to treat each condition individually, personalize that for that client because stuff's going to come up for that specific client. And even clients that have high cholesterol, it just could look so different and their labs could be so different for that individual. So you really got to work with clients individually with all of that. And we also have to recognize that just because a client has to restrict certain foods because of a health condition, like I have a client right now who she has celiac disease, so obviously can't have gluten and any like gluten derivatives. She also is allergic to pine nuts, tree nuts, shellfish. I think that's it. Anyway, she's got a lot of food allergies. So um, she's got a lot that's going on. And she's in college. She's living in the sorority house. Lots of opportunities for cross-contamination. Doesn't have access to her own kitchen. Basically only has a mini fridge. Very difficult situation. She, she feels very restricted. And so we've had to, we've been working together for a really long time, taking it day by day, getting her to focus on the abundance of foods that she can have versus focusing on the things that she has to restrict has been really helpful for her. And then also just because you have to restrict certain foods doesn't mean that you're eliminated from being able to engage in intuitive eating. We can still be honoring our hunger, respecting our fullness, moving our body in a way that feels good. And, you know, kind of employing gentle nutrition. We still want to be kind towards our body. So I can still teach clients how to rely on their internal cues and listen for those and then respond out of care, love and respect for themselves. And there's a lot that comes up when you have to restrict, especially with like celiac disease, for example, like this is going to be for the rest of my client's life. She was recently diagnosed. So, um, this is going to be for, for the rest of her life. And I think having a chronic condition like that can bring up a lot of grief and a lot of emotion 
And so you have to really take that, take that day by day and, um, you know, work, work with someone closely, someone that you really resonate with and, um, someone, someone that gets you and someone that can remind you of all the things that, that are going well in your life and all of the different ways that you can still honor and respect your body because no, you can't have every single food if you need to restrict, but that doesn't mean that it, that it gives us permission to treat our bodies, you know, horribly or dive into a lot of dieting patterns. Now there are some conditions where you don't necessarily have to restrict as much as diet culture thinks you need to restrict. And I think IBS and PCOS are really, really great examples. Just like we talked about with the food cravings with that's, you know, PCOS is hormones are very heavily involved. So if you're under eating, your hormones are going to be dysregulated and unbalanced. So that's going to contribute to negative PCOS symptoms. There are different types of PCOS, but with the PCOS that mimics diabetes and has blood sugar um, issues and insulin resistance, we need to actually be eating consistently and not skipping meals. And a lot of people recommend intermittent fasting and keto for PCOS. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, no, we need to be eating more and eating frequently. And um, it's just oh, like, that really grinds my gears. So I, I know I brought up the celiac disease example where, you know, that, that client for me really does have to restrict. However, with some of these other conditions, it's a lot of coaching on, Hey, you have been restricting because you've been working with someone that isn't a dietitian, isn't credentialed or following someone online that really doesn't know what they're talking about. But I'm here to tell you that actually all foods fit. And especially with IBS, there's a difference between IBS and IBD, you know, irritable bowel syndrome versus inflammatory bowel disease. So I approach those differently as well. But if you have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, a lot of that is a dysregulated mind gut connection, going back to the stress that we were talking about. So again, with these clients, I don't put a lot of people recommend the low FODMAP diet for IBS. I'm like, no, I do not do that. And that's basically what gave me my eating disorder. So absolutely not. Um, We're actually, what I do with those clients is I help them with gut directed hypnotherapy. It's basically visualization meditations that help to um, kind of like rewire your gut brain connection and to build, build that interceptive awareness for yourself. And that has been so helpful, helping them with their stress management, getting them to eat consistently and fueling themselves adequately, eating slower, like those basic food habits. So it doesn't matter what condition you have. Everybody needs those things. Everyone needs counseling to make sure that they are eating enough, eating consistently, having balanced meals. They have the nutrition education so that they understand nutrition because we don't really learn a lot of this stuff. Um, And then employing other intuitive eating principles because there's so many honoring your hunger, respecting your fullness, moving your body in a way that feels good. Uh, Those, those are just a few. Yeah. I, I love that you shared all of this and that like some clients like do need to be extra mindful. Like your client with Celia, like she can't just go and have a sandwich. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, for some people, it's like, sure. Some foods might not sit well with your body, but like, we also don't want to fear them. You know what I Mm. mean? Then that's going to create a whole other, you know, array of issues. So it's finding your own version of food freedom. I think it's like, you know, I've had to craft my own version of food freedom. 
you know, like there's not one version of like, this is what food freedom looks like. It's like, it's going to be different for every single person. And I think that is so freeing. Like, let that be exciting that you get to find your unique version of food freedom. Like what an abundant mindset, what a, like a freeing mindset. Then like, again, Mm -hmm. trying to put yourself in a box of like, this is what it needs to look like. No, that's going back to diet culture land. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. There's not one size fits all. Yeah. Uh, Well, this has been so fun. This has been so amazing. And honestly, you just look like you're glowing. Like, can we just take a minute? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lorna. I appreciate you. I love it. I'm like, what what do you eat that makes your skin like so like glowy? (laughs) I I appreciate it. Hey, all foods. I eat all foods. There we go. No restrictions. Yes. That's perfect. See, you guys. Eat what you want. Don't restrict yourself and you're going to have a good gut and you're going to have great skin and it's just going to be amazing. I love it. It's going to be great. (laughs) Well, this has been absolutely amazing and you just have so much knowledge and I just like respect you so much. And um, I know everyone's going to love this. So where can everyone find you? Yes. So first, uh, we do have a podcast, the Be About Being Better podcast. Uh, And Lorna is going to be a guest on the podcast too. So you'll definitely have to listen to her episode on there. And um, we just have more conversations about what we've been talking about today, how to approach your life in a non-diet way and how to cultivate a sustainable, healthy lifestyle without dieting. I also hang out on Instagram and TikTok, abby.stacier. And then on Instagram, we have Be About Being Better, our, our business account. Yay. So good. I'll definitely leave all those links down below in the show notes. So definitely check her out. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom. This has just been so amazing. So thank you. Yay. Thank you, Lorna. I appreciate you.